Hey, and welcome to Tell Me What You Really Think. I have with me today, Tommy. Tommy, how you doing? Hi, how are you today? I'm pretty good. So uh, I have some exciting news. Okay. Ask me what it is. I, I thought you were going to just tell me. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You got to ask me. You got to ask me. What is the exciting news? Well, I'm glad you asked. So you know how we are with the magazine, Know the Issues with Lisa Valone. That's me. Um, we are now rebranding that magazine, and it is now going to be called Informed NY. Um, and we have a website, informedny.com. And it is bigger and better, and it contains everything that makes work work. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And read it and see it. I mean, we've got it for everyone. So I'm pretty darn excited about this. And uh, let me just give you a sneak peek of just how much different the magazine looks. Look at this. Look at how Very big. Nice. Look at how big. Very it's nice. Beautiful. It's all color, and it's just the layout is amazing. We have one of the best graphic artists in the United States doing the layouts for us. So I am very excited about that as well. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and do a little plug for them now because I'm very proud of them and it's light for soul and uh, very, very excited about some of the pages. So are you ready to jump into our, our program? I am. I am. Okay, so for those of you who are just listening to the podcast and aren't able to see it, I apologize. I could describe it, but I'm not that good at describing things. But um, can you see this page, Tommy? Yes, I can. Look at how nice this is all laid out. So this is a story that just hit into our latest called Our Off-Label Drugs Killing Us. So, Tommy, the question is, have you ever heard of an off-label drug? I would think that would be like store brand or generic is what you're referring to. That is not what I'm referring to. Okay. So when you assume things. Yes, this is true. <laughs> can't just be doing that. Tommy can't be doing that. Would you like to know what an off? I definitely would. You would. Okay. So FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, describes them as FDA approved drugs for an unapproved use to treat your disease or medical condition. So that sounds harmless. That sounds scary. It sounds scary. An unapproved, unapproved drug. For an unapproved use to yeah. treat your disease or medical condition. Yeah, no. Why does that sound scary? Because an unapproved use, they don't really even know what it's approved to be used for and what conditions. Oh, that's interesting. And that concerns you? Yeah, yes, yes, it does. Because if it's not approved to help one of the conditions you have and you have something wrong with you, that can be dangerous to you. Okay, so do you take any prescription drugs? I do at this time because I've had a heart attack. Oh, I'm sorry. So what do you take? I probably won't pronounce them right, but I could spell them for you. Oh, that will be exciting. Okay, spell it. C-L-O-P-I-D-O-G-R-E-L. -E and I believe that is my blood thinner. Oh, 
Okay. All right. So that's interesting. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name of the drug either. But guess what? What? It's oh. an off-label drug. Is it really? It's an off-label drug. That's not good at all. I don't feel good about that. You don't? Mm -hmm. Well, let's go ahead and take a look and see if there's been any reported adverse side effects to it. Would you like to know? I certainly would like to know. Okay, so the FDA has this event reporting system. It's called the FDA Adverse Reporting System, strangely enough. And it's a database that contains adverse events reports, medication error reports, and product quality complaints resulting in adverse events that were submitted to the FDA. So it's a whole database, right? And okay. anyone and everyone can get onto it. I have the link on the website as well as in the magazine. So if you would like the website, it's there. I will also go ahead and put it down in the bottom of the screen so that way people can see it there as well. And let's see if there's been any concerns with this drug at all, which I'm sure there have not been. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm sure they prescribe it to a lot of people. Um, is that what your doctor said? Uh, no, but it just seemed to be kind of popular because I've been on it now over a year and they haven't changed this one up yet. Oh, okay. The other ones now, when, this one they've kept the same. When you were prescribed this, did your doctor or the pharmacist tell you that it's an off-label drug? Not at all. That was never mentioned ever from either place, the doctor nor the pharmacist. Okay. The excitement is... You're going to scare me. No. Okay. So is it the second word B-E-S-I-L-A-T-E or B-I-sulfite or C-A-M-S-Y-L-A-T or hydrobromide or hydrochloride or hydrogen? There's so many of these. Oh, the second name of it, huh? Yeah. Look. Huh. Isn't that funny? I can't see a second name. Okay, we'll just go with the first one then, okay? Okay. okay. May not be the right one. So <laughs> if it says scary things, don't be afraid. It's, okay. <laughs> it's just your body. Don't don't let it get to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're reading. That's not good. No, I'm actually waiting for it to show up. Um, okay, so this is showing since 2013 until 2022. How many, you said you think it's probably been prescribed to a lot of people. So probably yeah. millions and millions of people have taken this, do you think? I do. I have an allergy aspirin or an aspirin to, uh, allergy to aspirin. And this right. is what they give the people that are. Okay. Yeah. So I would think between 2013 and 2022, there has probably been hundreds of millions of doses of this given out. Would you not guess? I would say that's a good guess. Sure. Okay. So according to the FDA, there have been, in all of those cases, there's only been 184 serious cases and 12 deaths from this. That's pretty minimal. So I would say that's pretty safe. Yes, I would have to agree with that. 
Yeah, I, I actually feel pretty good about that. Um, so off-label drugs doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. It just means that it's an FDA-approved drug for an unapproved use to treat a disease or a medical condition. How many of our drugs, I mean, you mentioned that you're on one and we immediately found out it's an off-label drug. What percentage of all drugs do you think are off-label drugs? Well, with that in mind, that's, I think the number is going to be high. Uh, so I would say 70%. Oh, well, actually, currently 21% of all medications prescribed are for uses not approved by the FDA. Okay, so Aviston is an example of an off-label drug. Have you ever heard of that? Spell that for me. A-V-A-S-T-I-N. Okay, because I'm on A-T-O-R-V-S-T-A-T-I-N. Ah, no, no, no. This is actually for people who have wet macular degeneration, and oh. what it is, it's a shot in the eye. In 2004, the FDA approved this drug for treatment of various cancers, and at the time, the FDA thought that the benefits outweighed the side effects. Um, so whenever we're looking at drugs, the FDA always is looking at, you know, we got to weigh this. What are the benefits? What are the side effects? Is it really better, you know, for you than, than harmful for you? Correct. So no drug basically has zero side effects. And that's because when they're doing the trials, it's like if anybody has any symptom at all, they don't know if it's from the drug or not. They just know that the person reported a symptom, so they have to put it down. So if you're in one of these trials and let's say you eat something you're allergic to and you say you're a little bit itchy, well, they don't know if it's from that or not. So that's got to go down as one of the side effects. But okay. if you have a lot of people all adding that up, what's the chances that a lot of people in these trials all happen to have an allergic reaction to, let's say, a food, and they all got itchy, they have to start thinking, well, geez, you know, it's kind of common. So we're going to put that in the common label. So anyway, eventually the FDA found out that Avastin, actually the um, side effects outweighed the benefits. So they pulled it away from one of the treatments for cancer. And along came the ophthalmology departments, and they found out that this works really, really, really well for wet macular degeneration. So they started to use that. And, um, and again, I don't know if the doctors even know that this is off-label. I don't know if they tell it to people when they have it. And because, again, you know, people, the heart drug you're on, it had, what, 12 people who died. And you talk yes. about out of all of the millions and millions and millions of people who have probably had it over all those years. I mean, even one person dying from it is really sad. But when you think about that, it could have been millions of people who have died if they didn't get it. It's like, again, yes. it's kind of like the game that the FDA is constantly doing with weighing between the, the uh, benefits and the side effects of things. With Aviston in uh, 2022, so we're looking at 2000 and. 13 to two, uh, 2022, the FDA reported with Aviston 43,652 serious cases with um, 14,292 deaths. So, when, yeah, it's a lot more. So, when you compare it to your drug, it's, uh, I think, a completely different ballgame. But when we're talking about people who are losing their eyesight, they're going blind, um, it's the only thing that's been able to reverse some of the wet macular degeneration or at least stop the progression. It's like it's something that 
you know, people have to make a judgment call on. But I think, and this is just me, I just think that knowledge is important. Knowledge is everything. And I feel that people need to know if what they're taking is an off-label drug or not and why it's an off-label drug. Yes, I, I, I agree with that 100%. And I would have much rather they informed me prior to me even taking it ever, which I think is kind of deceitful because we're relying on these drugs to keep us alive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, we're looking at those numbers and they sound significant, but we're talking about millions and millions of people who take this drug as well. You know, so what is, what's the numbers actually come out to? Hey, Tommy. So as we're talking, it turns out that uh, John wants to join us. So let's have John join us online. Hey, John. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is Tommy. Tommy, John. Nice to meet you. Hey, Tommy, nice to meet you too. Tommy John, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Baseball player, right? Yeah. I know, I know, I <laughs> Okay. No, I didn't. I made that up. Okay. So, uh, John, Tommy and I were here talking about off-label drugs. Have you ever heard of an off-label drug? Like a generic? <laughs> <laughs> I said the same thing. <laughs> That's what I thought it was too, John. That's exactly what Tommy said. Tommy, tell John what it is. It is a approved, but not for an approved problem, but it's approved by the FDA drug that you can buy, that they give you, of which I so found out now I have one of. Yeah, so the FDA approves a drug for a certain type of use, but then they go ahead and use it for something totally different than what it was approved for. For example, we were talking about Avastin. So Avastin in 2004 got an FDA approval to be a cancer drug. And you know how the FDA is always weighing benefits and risk of a drug, right? Well, after right. a while, we found out that with one of the types of cancers that this drug had way too many side effects, that it outweighed the benefit of treating cancer. And so they pulled it from that. Well, the ophthalmology department found out that it works really well with wet macular degeneration. So they use it now as a shot in your eye to help you with wet macular degeneration. So does, and you know, in order to be approved for something, a company has to go ahead and give all of this reports and they have to go through all these stages and, and they, they do like, it's the amount of scrutiny to this is insane. So does this concern you at all that there are off-label drugs out there? Well, sure. If they're going to be doing things like that. It's... Do you uh, take a guess at how many drugs are off-label? Uh, Prescription drugs. Let's see. I'm gonna, there's a lot of drugs out there, so I'm going to guess a thousand. Oh, okay. But out of percentages. What percentage of drugs? Percentage? Uh, 10%. Oh, he went the opposite way of you, Tommy. Yes, he no, did. No, 21%. So, 21%. Mm -hmm. So, Tommy is taking a drug for his heart, he said. And um, he found out that it's an off-label drug. And, Tommy, did tell John about the story about 
Did your doctor ever tell you about this? No, never made any mention of it. And you know how pharmacies usually will discuss things when you go to pick them up, being a new patient with this and just having a heart attack. And they never once mentioned anything about it. Really? A peep. Yep. Wow. So there is a website that the FDA has that goes ahead and tells you if there's any adverse events with things. So we looked up the drug that he is taking, and it actually, from 2013 to 2022, there were only, I think it was 12 or 13 deaths from it, yep. which when you think of how many millions of people have been on this drug and how many years, like that's, I think that's, even though it's sad, I mean, even one is a sad number, but I think all the millions of people who benefited from it, I think that it's good that it's being used for what it's being used for. That would make me also lead to believe that it's it's going to be working for your entire lifetime too, something that you can take for your life. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a lot of antibiotics are off-label drugs too. Um, I'm trying to do this from memory, so I'm just going to go ahead and say a couple of names, so that way I'll be right on one of them. Um, no, I I actually know it. Um, have you ever taken Bactrim or amoxicillin? Amoxicillin. Amoxicillin. Yeah. That's an off-label drug. John, do you take any prescription drugs? No. None at all? Uh, well, there's one. You said that there was one that you take? Yes. What What is it named? Sildanafil. How do I spell that? That's the only one. How do I spell it? S I L D A N A F I L. Wait, wait, go slower. S Y L. S I L. Oh, okay. Yeah. D A N A F I L. Oh, I found it. All right. So from 2013 until, I'm sorry, 2015. And until 2022, there have been 8,497 deaths from it and 41,420 serious side effects from it. Well, I guess that's enough of that. Yeah, but you also have to, it's a numbers game too. You have to think, you know, what were the people's conditions that were taking it? Right. Um, because it's just like anything else, you know, as sad as it is to say, when people got COVID, if you were somebody who had a lot of health problems and you were elderly, your death rate was higher than somebody who was young. So a lot of times when people are on drugs, you have to look at, well, what were their different health effects and stuff, you know, because if something is, let's say it's something for your thyroid, not a lot of people who have underactive thyroids are in a condition where they have a serious, you know, health condition. But if it's something that, let's say, it's somebody who's got complete heart blockage and they're trying to open it, yeah, that person's going to be in a lot more serious condition. So is it the disease that they have or is it the drug that they have? And then when you have to look at how many people are actually getting it. Right. But like an awful lot. Yeah, right. So when you go to the go to the pharmacist, are you now a little bit 
concerned about asking them if it's an off-label drug and maybe going on to the FDA database that I will put the link down and find out what the adverse effects numbers are and the deaths are with it? Oh, I'm definitely going to ask. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, because with Tommy's drug, we only had 12 or 13. And with the drug you mentioned, we were in the thousands. You know, yes. so that's you know, that's something that I would have to look at. Well, you know, what are the people that are taking it? You know, are they people usually who have a lot of different health problems and, and try to figure out things from there? Wanted to read you something. By the way, I showed Tommy, for those of you who are only, <laughs> those of you who are only listening to this and not watching it, um, you can't see the magazine. And those of you who are watching it, I'm sorry that it takes me so long to figure out a green screen. But I did a story on it in the magazine. And uh, there was something that I wanted to read to you that I thought was interesting. Have you ever heard of black label drugs? No, no. Okay, so black label drugs are drugs that have the worst side effects. Okay, and these black box warnings are also called just box warnings. And I know it sounds sinister, but I wanna emphasize that this is something that's required by the FDA for certain medications that do carry serious safety risk. And often these warnings state these risks, although that they may be rare, they are dangerous side effects. Or they can also be just to communicate important instructions for safe use of the drug. So it's not as sinister and as scary as you would believe. And I'm sure that you have probably had some of these drugs yourself because they may say things such as do not drive while having this drug do not take this drug f so it's things that kind of give you some instruction because we always get that pamphlet inside the drugs and it's really long and it goes into so much explanation most people don't read it i know that most of the time i just throw it away but it's very, very detailed, and the FDA doesn't count on people reading all of the information that they have there for your benefit. So what they do is they'll slap on another warning on top of the drug. So when you pick up the drug, you've got the bottle, and you'll see a sticker, and the sticker may say something like, do not drink alcoholic beverages when taking this medication. So that's not something that's really scary. That's something that's instructions to keep you safe. You know, it may also go ahead and uh, warn you about, you know, you have to take it with food. Um, or it may go ahead and let you know about some serious or dangerous side effects. So here are some examples of black box warnings. And I apologize because I'm probably going to pronounce these words wrong. And I'm probably going to pronounce some of these wrongs, but Leviquin. Is associated with an increased risk of tendinitis and tendon rupture in all ages. This risk is further increased in older patients, usually over 60 years of age. In patients taking corticosteroids and in patients with kidneys and heart and lung transplants. See warnings and precautions 5.1. So that's one of the warnings. There's also a warning on another one that says suicidality. Increased suicidality risk in children, adolescents, and young adults with major depressive or other psychiatric disorders. So weigh the risk versus the benefits. And then it gives some more information after that. So again, you know, it could be something as simple as giving you some instruction 
or you'll see the yellow label on there that will say may cause drowsiness or it may be something that has a red label where it says you know do not drink alcohol also do not operate any dangerous machinery something where they feel like there is an increased risk or again it may go ahead and mention some very serious possible side effects although those side effects may be rare when you get a drug you can always ask the pharmacist if it's black label and I actually like that idea because to me, again, like I was telling Tommy earlier, I think that knowledge is power because once you know something, then you can make a decision. Is it right for you? Do you want to go ahead and do that? I just don't like when I am not aware of something. So uh, with that, I tried to find out, well, why is it that the FDA doesn't go ahead and label drugs off-label? So if something is like the heart medicine that Tommy's on, why is it when he picks it up, doesn't it have a label on there saying that it's an off-label drug, that mm -hmm. it didn't go through that stringent policy and, and procedure and review with the FDA for that certain type of condition as it had to for the other condition. And the FDA actually said that they had considered doing that, but they said that they decided against it for two reasons. One, they said it would be a very time-consuming and costly process for people who want to get that out to the market. They said, so it will go ahead and create delays and they have to you know, go through the whole process of doing things. And they said, and the second reason is if they put it on drugs, it will go ahead and scare people. So they said they decided not to put it on that for those two reasons. And I'm kind of curious as to how you feel about that. No way. Better safe than sorry. I don't care how long it takes. You should be, you're the FDA. You're the one approving this. You're the one putting the stamp that says all A-OK. -okay. No, they should take the time to test. Absolutely. John, what well, do you think? Exactly right. I, and every, you know, you should, you should know all these things before you get any kind of drug that you're going to get, whether it's it's got a small risk or it's got a big risk. I'm, I'm very surprised they even have like the black label drugs. Uh, why would you approve? Why would you even approve a, a drug and label a black label knowing how dangerous it is? You are the FDA. Why would you do that? Because there are some drugs, for example, if I had stage four cancer and they yeah. were telling me you have six months to live, Right. But there is something we can give you, and it's going to play havoc on your body, but now you're going to have a fighting chance. I would be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, that, for me, that's what I would want to do. Other people might say no. When you do chemotherapy, I mean, right. that's extremely dangerous. You know, the people who, when they bring it in, I've had, you know, people who've had cancer, and they told me that when they bring it in, they're wearing these heavy black gloves and stuff because they they've got to be so careful when they're handling this stuff so you know that's that's really hard on your body as well but because we live in you know the era where there's been all these medical advances and stuff thank goodness it's allowed a lot of people to live so i think with off-label drugs i think it should have the label but I think while it has a label, there should be something besides the definition where it says that the FDA is just now having the company go through the process and that once they go through the process, then it'll go ahead and either be taken off for the new use or it will go ahead and become an on-label drug. Because when it comes to certain things, yeah, I get, I get the idea. Like I mentioned amoxicillin being a 
off-label drug. Well, that's, it was never intended to be an antibiotic. So here it is an antibiotic, and a lot of people who didn't get it died because they didn't have it. But let's just say if they put down, it's an off-label drug, you know, this is what it means. The company's right now doing the process. When we're finished with checking on it, either we'll go ahead and uh, approve it, um, in which case we'll take off the off-label drug, or we'll go ahead and take it off the market. But that's me. Like, what do you guys think about that? Well, I, I definitely had moxicillin after I've had dental work done, and I never knew it was an off-label drug ever. Um, and I understand that the benefits do outweigh the, what it can have otherwise, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, who det who determines whether the benefits are better than the than the effects it could have on you too? It's that's kind of a almost like kind of a open call. Yeah, well, the FDA does, and they go ahead and they put it through different stages, and they have to have a very large group that they work with in different age groups. And any little thing I was explaining to Tommy, it doesn't matter how small the effect is. They put it down. So let's say you are doing a foot fungus cream. I'll pick a different thing this time than what I told Tommy before. Let's say it's a foot fungus cream and all of a sudden you, and, and let's say you're 14 years old and all of a sudden you get acne. So you put down, I got acne. Chances are it's because you're adolescence, right? But you happen to be in this focus group or not focus group, but you happen to be in this trial group and you put down that you got acne. So now they have to put it down as one of the side effects. So if you're the only one who puts it down, it's going to put down that it's very rare. But if a lot of people put it down, it's going to go under the common category. So if let's say you have a heart attack when you're taking it, yeah, it's going to go into the rare. But if a lot of people get heart attacks when they're taking this, this cream, it's going to go into the common. And then once it's in the common, then the FDA has to say, okay, a lot of people got heart attacks from doing a foot fungus cream. Is it worth to get rid of the foot fungus by using this cream and risking a heart attack? I think they're going to decide, no, it's not. So they're looking at, it takes several years to go through this process. And they're looking at so many different stages with a large large on uh, uh, group that they're working with different age groups and so forth. So based on that, that's what they go ahead and do. And then when it's opened up to the general public, they are still going ahead and monitoring. That's why they have their database. And if they see numbers that seem too high, then it triggers something with them. And then that's when they decide to go ahead and pull it back off. So they are thoroughly checking it. It's just, well, just concerning, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's definitely concerning. So I was just looking up black, black box. It's also called boxed warning. And um, is it talks about different drugs like, um, and I'm not good at pronouncing these. So uh, Brilinta, it says raises the risk of bleeding. Uh, Linzids, they found that shouldn't be used in children because of the effect. Uh, TYG ACIL increases all cause mortality, which I don't know about that. I think that definitely probably needs to be, you know, like it is a, a box warning. Um, but again, that may be something that is a matter of it's the only drug that's out there that could save somebody's life. 
Yeah, yeah, I can understand. The, then you'd take that any risk just to do that, but it's it's scary. Yeah, I think everything is, you know, I look forward to with AI and with how there are now where scientists all around the world are going into the same databases and where things used to be secretive before. Now they're going ahead and they are sharing all of their information so they could come up with cures faster, they can come up with medicines faster. So I look forward to the day when it's actually that um, they can come up with drugs that don't have any side effects. Like that would be amazing if that could happen. And I'm sure it would help so many more people so much quicker. Yeah, but until that day, I mean, I don't envy the FDA having to go ahead and make those you know, calls and having to constantly monitor it. And I am thankful for the pharmaceutical industry for constantly, you know, trying to come up with things to make our lives better and, you know, to save people's lives. And even when they have a drug that they're working with, they're constantly trying to think of how to make it better, how to work, you know, to minimize any of the side effects and so forth. But um, in the meantime, I just wanted to introduce you to off-label drugs. Uh, how long does this approval process take for the FDA? Uh, I'm sure that varies with what they're checking. Yeah, let me look that up because I think it's between six to ten years, but let me look that up. So someone, some pharmaceutical company comes up with a new drug and it takes six to 10 years before it even gets on the market normally? Yeah, it says that it, um, it has different phases and it takes several years in order for something to get it into the market. But once it gets to a certain level, then uh, the FDA will work on it quickly. It says normally the FDA is allotted 10 months to review new drugs Whereas under a priority review, that time is shortened to six months, uh, which is what's That's the average time to, to approve a drug. Like I know my daughter has a soy allergy and there is a company that is coming out with a drug where if you have a peanut allergy, that you take this, this pill or this injection, I actually don't know a lot about the company. I've only, you know, recently heard about it. And um, it actually builds up your body where you don't have an allergy to it anymore. And then you can stop taking the pill. And they said once they finish with peanuts, they're going to go through all the different allergies, including soy. So, um, and they said it's going to take several years before the FDA goes ahead and approves this about, uh, about their peanut drug. Um, so, you know, it's just, and, and that's why I get it when they say it's a lot of time and a lot of money on the pharmaceutical industry, because it is. And, you know, it, it could be holding back a benefit when, um, when maybe, you know, people need it. But, uh, and they already know about some of the side effects, even though people are taking it for other symptoms and other medical conditions. So I just feel like, you know, label it explain what the label means, explain that it's in the process and let them know that it could mean one of two things will happen. And that way, when a pharmacist goes ahead and gives it over to you, they should explain that too. You know, and when you get that huge leaflet that's inside, it should mention what all of the different side effects were for 
when the drug was used for whatever that condition was that it was approved for before. You know, so that way people have an idea. But I also think, I think John hit it right on the nail when he was saying about that there are so many different drugs out there. And I think that's part of the problem. There are so many pharmaceutical companies and so many drugs. How does a doctor keep up with all of them? I mean, I know that there's pharmaceutical salespeople, but are those guys really taking the time to explain and, and telling the doctors, this is an off-label drug, this is a boxed warning drug, you know, these are the side effects, or are they, you know, having to hit so many doctors and just bringing up the benefits of it? Yeah, I would think they aren't getting into too much detail just because of the time frame it takes and with the amount of different prescriptions there are now. I mean, if you're a salesperson, you could probably be trying to push 20, 30 different scripts in a month. That would be tough to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I welcome if anybody is in the prescription field or uh, pharmaceutical sales or even the med tech field, I welcome you to contact me uh, to be on the podcast because I would love to learn more. Really respect your field. I mean, Tommy, uh, and I don't know, John, if you ever had where your life really hung on, on a drug or a procedure and thank goodness for these people that you're still around because of that? No, thankfully I've never gone through that. Tommy has. And yeah, so we're, and I have when, uh, you know, so I, you know, every day I'm just so thankful for, for these people. Um, but again, I just think that knowledge is power. And instead of the FDA being worried that people might get afraid, I, I just think that it's good to let them know. That they're, they are trying to better our lives. They definitely are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you both for being on my podcast. And uh, until next time, goodbye. We'll see you later. Thanks for having me.